0: I'm Travis Chappell, and I chat with some of the world's top business influencers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs in order to crack the code of networking. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know, and that your relationships ultimately determine the person that you become. So if you want to learn the new way of connecting, if you want to fill your network with quality people and skyrocket your results, then you're in the right place. Because this is the Build Your Network podcast.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another midweek mashup episode over here on Build Your Network. My name is Eric. I'm Travis Chappell's producer. And on today's episode, we're talking about how to create successful habits in the new year. And there couldn't be three better people to cover this topic. First up, we have Dean Graziosi, who literally wrote the book Millionaire Success Habits. We've got Jay Papasan, who is the vice president and executive editor at Keller Williams Realty. And last but not least, we have James Clear, the author of the New York Times bestseller, Atomic Habits, which I know we can't recommend enough. I really hope you guys appreciate this episode. It's going to be a huge help to you as you create a mindset that's going to help you win in 2021. All right, guys, enjoy the episode. And remember, if anything helps you in the episode, be sure to take a screenshot and tag Travis on Instagram with the handle at Travis All right, let's get into it.
2: Don't feel like you're stuck in a job. That's just part of your evolution. It's part of your growth. You're supposed to be where you are right now because you can't be anyplace else. So why not say life happens for us not to us. That's Tony Mm -hmm. Robbins line. That's not mine, but I love it. What if life happens for us, not to us. Everything that happened in your life up to this point was just research and development, getting you prepared for your next level of life. So you don't have to be 60 years old going, I can't believe I did that. No, you get to say, I'm here. Let's find a way to be enthusiastic about this job. I don't like, or this business. I don't like, I'll be the best of my ability in something that sucks. So imagine when I actually implement myself into something I love, then you're unstoppable. Right. And but people right. don't get that. They're like I'll be happy when. I'll be more confident when. No, it's never going to come. You can happiness comes from the inside. You could be in the worst mood in the history of the world and one thing happens and immediately you spark into happiness. We create happiness. Right, we create right. joy. We create enthusiasm. We create confidence. So just get the tools to create that stuff now. And start living your happy life before the checks get big.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing too, is that I think people underestimate the amount of work that it takes to get there. And then they don't put enough value on living their best life like they have an ideal picture of what their life looks like, like, man, that'd be really cool. But I love what you said about like, hey, everything up to this point has just been research and development. Like your entire life, all your experiences, the money you lost, the relationships that have burned you, like all of these things is just research and development to now like allow you to be successful in this particular area that finally has presented itself to you. But so many people will give up too soon or sell out too soon and not stick in it until, like, it's just ridiculous to me to think about like you go through a ton of pain, but then you never stick around to reap the reward, right? Yeah, like, yeah. You just like go through pain, go through pain, go through pain. You're like, screw it, it doesn't work, I'm done. And you go back to like selling out. And yeah, but it. and here's it the thing,
2: make- I'll give you a great one. A guy named David Kekic. He's a friend, my friend Joe Polish is good friend. And I've met him a few times. He's paralyzed from the neck down. He used to be a great athlete, runner, got in an accident, he's paralyzed from the neck down. And he's got he calls them the Kekic credos. And this is a brilliant one. And you guys should write this down, remember this. So he said, living life the hard way is easy, and living life the easy way is hard. Hmm. Here's the thing. Life's going to be hard no matter what. So let's just say this. If you want to get up at 5 a.m. tomorrow morning, that's hard. Alarm goes off at 5 is pretty bad. I get up at 4.55 every day. Alarm goes off. It's hard to get up at 5 a.m. It's hard to get out of bed, go down there and have a regiment to, I drink apple cider vinegar, some green powder, some MCT oil and a full lemon. I shoot that every single morning and I head off and go to the gym. That's hard. Getting to the gym and trying to, I want to get done before my kids get home. So I work out at the gym for an hour. I get back. I don't answer my phone or try not to look at my phone or text before then. Sometimes I do, but I try, and that's hard. And then I get home and then I'm, I'm like racing, but here's what I know. That's hard, but I'm 50 with young kids. I can run faster than them. I will forever. I'm healthy as, I'm not on any medication. I'm not going to have diabetes. I'm not going to die of heart disease. I can run faster than any 25-year-old kid I know. I get to be healthy and happy, and I'm going to be around to see my grandchildren when I'm 100 years old. That's easy. So it's hard to get up at 5, but I live an easier life. You know what's easier? If I let the alarm go until 7.55, five minutes before I had to get up, hit the snooze button three times, crawl out of bed and get a cup of coffee and smell and go, oh, I could feel better, grab a freaking donut, be 40 pounds overweight. That's easier but you know what? I'll leave my kids in 15 years from now. I'll have diabetes. I'll get sick. I'll get heart disease. That's way freaking harder than getting up at 5 a.m. And it's the same thing when it comes to business. You want to live an easier life, work hard right now. Is it hard to start your own company? Hell yes. Is it hard to beat the competition? Hell yes. Is it hard to fit the time in to learn from people who've already been there? Hell yes. Is it hard to read extra books and be mentored and, and pay for education? Yes. But Is it easier in five years now when you own your own company, when you create your own hours, when you're living a life where you're not worried about money, when you're in control of your time, money, effort, your family? Yes. If not, it's going to be hard anyway. Getting up and going to your job is hard. Getting up and working in a business that you don't like is hard, and it's going to be hard for the rest of your life. I'd rather it be hard up front. I'd rather hit the gym in the morning and feel like a freaking rock star at night.
0: Yeah. Like it's hard and there's no end in sight. <laughs> you know, like your end in exactly. sight is your 65 year old retirement where you live more meagerly than you did when you were yeah, working exactly. because you took a pay cut to not work anymore. And then you probably will still have to work because most people underestimate how much money it actually takes to really retire. And yeah, no, the whole thing, the whole thing Who the system.
2: hell wants to retire? If you're an yeah. entrepreneur, do you really want to retire?
0: Yeah. Like just focus. What, like, I mean, what does that even mean anyway?
2: <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. And I got this from Dan Sullivan. I always love to share where it came from. Cause if it's, if I didn't make it up, I don't want credit for it, but at least I'm smart enough to listen and repeat it. <laughs> but Dan Sullivan, he, he runs strategic coach and I'm a part of that group. He said, I'll never retire because he said, if I'm deaf and I'm looking for people to pick off, I'm going after retired people first. They're kind of like, uh, they got nothing to do. They got no purpose to live they're waiting for the freaking mail to come at three. They're waiting to eat dinner at four 45 in the afternoon. They're watching CNBC or CNN or Fox news and they're complaining about the president complaining about the economy. And oh, I can't believe technology. Change. He goes, I'm deaf, man. I'm looking for the retired guy or girl. They're easy to pick off. He's like the entrepreneur who's on fire. Who's always inventing himself, always learning, always listening to books. Always. It's like, I can't touch that guy. He's on fire. Let me just go get the retired people. Yeah. I always remember that. It's like, man, get, I'm not get the
0: low hanging fruit. Yeah. Yeah.
3: The things that will ultimately pay off the greatest in your life are the times when you will have been the most focused on what mattered most. Hmm. And it's not the only thing, it's what is the primary thing right now? What's the thing that you know you should be giving most of your attention and energy to? Hmm. And it can change throughout the day. You know, I get to the end of the day, and when we had small kids, and it was time to read to them, mm-hmm. I don't need to be on my phone. I don't need to have a football game on. Like that is precious moments and my one thing should be present, right? Yeah, yeah, I wake up and I'm a professional writer. I should come into the office and my one thing should be reading and writing books. right? And so it's situational and it can evolve, but it's a, it's a way for people to practically apply that principle. Like, How do I live that now? That's what the book is to me. How often do you need to step back and look at that?
0: Travis. Just go to Indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need hire, you need Indeed. In terms of clarity, like, is it something that you think about throughout the day? Like, am I really focusing on my one thing or did I get distracted you get just, distracted
3: all the time okay. and people delight in pointing it out. <laughs> uh, that's the, the hazard of being an author. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you're not working
0: on your one thing. Yeah.
3: And my kids, <laughs> you're multitasking, Dad. That happens. But yeah. The rhythm for me is weekly. You know, we said, uh, you know, we talked about our, before this started, for years and years, my wife and I have done a goal-setting retreat. We set long-range goals, five-year goals, and one-year goals. Hmm. And so that's like a weekend a year where we kind of go big. Yeah. And then the rhythm is every week, we say, based on my annual goals, what do I have to accomplish this month and this week? Hmm. And That's about 30 minutes a week where okay. I'll look at my goals and I'll look at my calendar. My wife lives the same way. And we kind of say, based on where we want to go and where we are today, what does this week look like? Typically on a Sunday or? Friday or Sunday. Friday or Sunday. If I've got a quiet Friday, I'll try to get it done so I'm not disturbed on the weekend. But a lot of times, sometimes Sunday afternoon, I'll break out my laptop, get my calendars out. And just kind of sit at the kitchen table and plan out my week. Got it. Tell us about the goal-setting retreat. Sounds really, really intriguing for those people who are really interested in that and might want to find out more about it. It goes back to what we were talking about earlier, goal-setting to the now. And when we were working on this book very early on, my wife and I already had the tradition because we had two kids very close together. Mm-hmm. And she was building a business. I was building a business. It made life tough for a young married couple mm-hmm. that we just needed to get out of our world and get on the same page. Okay. So in the beginning, it was very informal. She downloaded a one-page questionnaire from the internet, like, great questions to answer for your marriage or something. And we went on Priceline and found the cheap hotel downtown. It was the first time we'd ever spent a night away from our kids. Okay. But it was so effective in terms of figuring out, like, where do we want to vacation this year? Do we want to save money this year? Do we want to give money to charity this year? What do we want to do for our kids this year? We started asking really important questions. Without all the distractions you have at home, like the, the dishwasher's not going off, the dog's not asking to be let out, mm-hmm. and you can actually focus on them. And getting on the same page became very important, so it's become much more formal process.
4: The next year is going to pass either way, right? So, like, mm-hmm. you either, either those days click by. And you have made progress. Maybe you don't even have the result you want, but you're like fashioning that habit. You're building that new lifestyle. Or you keep waiting for the time to be perfect or for you to figure out some shortcut to the results and you end up with a year less to work on it. So I think that that's something we all have experienced and all feel to a variety of uh, of degrees. I don't know. The kind of irony of it is that we also badly want our results to change. We want to right. double our income or get six pack abs or lose weight or reduce stress or like all these results, these outcomes that we want so badly. But in pretty much any domain in life, your results are a lagging measure of your habits. So your bank account is a lagging measure of your financial habits. Your body is a lagging measure of your training and eating habits. Your knowledge is a lagging measure of your reading and learning habits. Even your clutter on your desk or in your bedroom is a lagging measure of your cleaning habits. And that idea that in pretty much any domain, the results that you get, the outcomes that you so badly want to change are really just a lagging measure of what you're up to I think it it provides a little bit of insight into what we need to be focused on. You know, like um, I had a buddy, Jay Klaus just told me recently, he was talking to a friend and they said, wow, like things are going really well for you right now. And they're like, yeah, that means I was killing it six months ago. And (laughs) I like that idea, right? That like the results you have today, they're just the sum of your past behaviors. Jeff Bezos said something like that. They were on an earnings call for Amazon and they asked him about the quarterly earnings. And he said, look. To be honest, whatever numbers we're talking about today, that was already locked in two years ago. Hmm. What we're working on right now, that's baking in the quarterly results for two years in the future. And that is true, not just on a company level, but on an individual one. And so we think that the results are what need to change, but actually it's the habits that precede those results. Actually, it's like the system that you follow that leads to the outcome. That's what we need to to focus our attention and energy on.
0: So how can we start to look... Think more futuristically when it comes to that kind of stuff. Is it, you know, how do we lower expectations maybe of what we're going to receive so we're not let down as much when our numbers don't match our expectations based on the amount of work that we thought it would take to get there? Like, while we continue to push the limits and raise our goals and push for things that we don't think are possible, how do we balance those two things without just getting super disappointed and down on ourselves?
4: Yeah, that's a good question. A lot of it is about signals of progress and signals of progress are often about choosing the right form of measurement. So part of the challenge is that we choose to measure our progress with something that has a very different frequency or pace than the habit that is required to get those outcomes. So let's, as an example, so my dad likes to swim. Well, any day that he gets in the pool and does a workout, he gets out of the water and his body looks exactly the same, right? The change, the outcome from any individual workout is insignificant. You can't tell a difference in the mirror. But when he gets out of the pool, he has this little pocket calendar. He pulls it out and he puts an X on that day. At the end of the month, he adds up how many X's he has and he compares that to the month before. And that little habit tracker, that little action of writing an X down, that's a measurement that matches the frequency that he needs to repeat the habit, which is daily or five days a week or whatever. If he made it about the scale or about body fat percentage or about how his body looks in the mirror, if you picked a different form of measurement, all those things change way too slowly. You know, it's like, I've said this about lifting before. Imagine if you only went to the gym on days when you felt fresh enough to hit a PR. (laughs) It would never work because you would only go like twice a month and you have to go (laughs) four days a week in order to build up the capacity to hit a better number. So I think that idea of choosing a frequency of measurement, choosing a a form of measurement that matches the pace of the habit you need to build, that can be a really useful one. That's one reason why habit trackers work so well. You know, you don't, you can use that not just for, not just for tracking your, your fitness habit. You could do it. I have one reader. She's a video editor. Every time she does 30 minutes of video editing, she puts an X on that day. Every time you do a meditation session, put an X down. Every time you write one sentence, make a check mark, you know, like that measurements that track the frequency of the behavior give you a signal of progress in the moment. And whether you measure it that way or do something entirely different, use software or whatever, it doesn't matter. The key lesson is the same, which is you really need to be able to see your progress. If you can't see progress, then you are not sure if you're moving in the right direction or not. But if you can see it, then you have at least some reason to show up and do it again the next time. Even if those long-term rewards that you want so badly haven't accumulated an accrued yet.
1: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming.